Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. Well, good morning. Oh, I think you can do better than that. Good morning. Okay, well, I am Dave, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we are so excited that you're here this morning. And the reason why is because we just had the opportunity to worship God. Wasn't it great? Wasn't it great? Let's, let's hear it for our worship team. They did a great job this morning. But these next few moments, we have the opportunity to hear from God. As I was getting ready this week, what, uh, what hit me was this, is that we're going to these next few moments... He gave me this image of us as children of God just gathering around his feet. So I want you to get this this morning. You are not listening to me this morning. You're listening to God. And so God has something for each one of us because I believe with all of my heart, when we open God's word, we come face to face with him. And so my hope and my prayer is this, is that you are ready not to hear from Pastor Dave, but from God. And so that means your heart's got to be ready. That means you've got to be willing to listen with your heart and not just listen, but actually live it out. And I'm going to give you a heads up. The stuff we're going to talk about today may be tough to do. But if you do it, it'll pay off. All right? So let me pray, and then we'll get started. Dara, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the fact that you love us and that we can enter into your presence and we can sing praises to you the creator of the universe. I pray with all of my heart that we would never, ever get tired of that because the Bible tells us we're going to do that for eternity. So this is just practice for something even greater. And Lord, these next few moments, we're going to open your word, and I believe that when we open your word, we come face to face with you. We're not here by chance this morning or by coincidence because you don't work that way. And so Lord, you have something for each one of us, including myself. And Lord, I pray that just in these next few moments that we prepare ourselves for what you have to say to us. Get all the distractions of the week out of the way. I even pray you get me out of the way because, Lord, we've come this morning to hear from you, and we're expecting great things because we serve a great God. Amen? Amen. This morning I'm going to talk about something. It's a word that we kind of throw around a lot as Christians. Uh, it's easier to say than to do. We find it very difficult to live out. We give it a lot of lip service, but we struggle putting it into action. And what it is, is faith. Now the Bible tells us what faith is. It says this, now faith is confident in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And so faith is this idea of putting our complete trust into someone or something. Now this morning, I want to give you an example, a demonstration of faith. And what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to invite my intern, Andrew Miller. Andrew, where are you? Here he comes. He looks nice, doesn't he? He cleans up quite well. For those of you who don't know who Andrew is, Andrew is interning this year with us, doing a great job with our junior high. So if you've got junior high kids, they probably talk about this wild and crazy guy, Andrew. Well, this is him, all right? So we're going to this morning is this. I'm going to put my complete trust in Andrew. I won't regret this. What we're going to do is we're going to do a trust fall. I'm going to fall back into Andrew's arms, and he's going to catch me. At least that's the plan, okay? If he doesn't, it'll be a short sermon because I'll be in a lot of pain, all right? 
So, Andrew, are you ready to do this? No, we're not, it's not a circus. I'm not jumping through hoops. Come out over closer. Yeah. Okay, so uh, are you ready for this? Okay, now before I start, I've got to tell you two things, man. Remember this week I was saying some jokes about you? I was making fun? Yeah. I was just joking. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. I just want to clear the air. I don't want any hard feelings because this, this stage is hard. So, do you forgive me? Yes. Say, no, you got to say it to me. Dave, I forgive you. Dave, I forgive you. Good, thanks, man. That makes me feel better. All right, so are you ready? Now, one more thing. If you drop me, though, you fail your internship. I'm just telling you. No pressure, though. No pressure. This is, uh, this is the toughest part of the sermon, actually. So here we go. Okay, make sure. Okay, yeah, don't, not too far. Okay, you know what? I'm just going to say a little prayer. I'm going to close my eyes. Let's hope this works. You ready? You still there? Okay, good. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, good. <laughs> Let's hear a round of applause. Good, Andrew. That was, uh, we practiced that earlier, and he waited a little longer than he did in the practices. I got a little scared, but that's okay. Now, here's the thing. For that to work, what did I need to do besides hope and pray, right? I needed to give up control. There was a point of no return, that point where I gave Andrew complete control. Now, i got to be honest with you. For that split second, I was scared when I fell. But I was also very reassured when I knew that Andrew had me. This is what I want you to get this morning. We all know that faith is crucial in the life of a believer. It's crucial in our relationship with God. And the reason we know that is because of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, which says this. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So, here's the million-dollar question. If we all know that faith is crucial in the life of a believer, my question to you is this, is why do we struggle living our life by faith? You know, I think it comes down to one word, and the word is this, control. We struggle at times to believe that God will really do what he says he will do. And so instead of falling back and giving up control, we hesitate, we resist, and we won't jump in with both feet. Because what we want to do is we want to test the water. And unfortunately, that testing can last for years. You see, I believe this, that the most powerful thing in a believer's life is their faith in God. Would you agree with me? And the reason I believe that is because Jesus said it. Jesus talked about how powerful faith was in Matthew 17, verse 20. You're going to recognize this, this verse. It says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Get this. What Jesus is saying is this. is Faith is so powerful in a believer's life that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, it can move mountains. Now, if you really understand what Jesus is saying is here, every one of us should, should be jumping up and down saying, I want this. In my life, spiritually, I want to move mountains. And so the question I want to answer this morning is this, is, is how do we experience that in our lives? 
Well, I believe that faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it becomes. But the opposite is also true. The less you use it, the weaker it becomes. And you can even experience atrophy when it comes to our faith. I think there's a lot of believers, when it comes to faith, they've actually slipped into atrophy, and they don't even know it. And the reason they don't know it is because they talk about faith in God all the time, but here's the thing, is they never exercise their faith muscle. And they don't, real, they don't understand, why isn't God showing up in my life? Well, you talk about faith, but your faith muscle isn't that strong. You see, God wants us to trust in him and our relationship with him. And the more we do that, the more we trust him, get this, with every aspect of our life, what happens is this, is our faith becomes bigger. Because I believe this, that God wants us to have big faith. When he called us to himself, he didn't say, I'm just going to give you a little bit. No, no, no. He said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And guess what? I want you to have more faith than that. And so, over the next two weeks, I'm up, I'm up again next week as well, we're going to talk about two things, one today and one next week. Two things that we can do to help allow our faith to become big in our lives. Come here, do you guys want that? Okay, all right. So, let's take our Bibles and turn with me this morning. If you've got your phones, your iPads, whatever you have, Matthew chapter 7 Verse 24 to 29. And the reason I want you to look at this, it'll be on the screen, but the reason I want you to look at I want you to see this for yourself so you realize that Dave's not making these things up. This actually comes from God's word, all right? So it's Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 29. But before I do that, before I get into the passage, I want to explain to you what's happened here. Jesus has just delivered what I believe is the most profound message ever preached. And we know it, as the Sermon on the Mount. And what you notice is this. As you read that passage, what you'll notice is that Jesus had a very unique teaching style. When Jesus taught, it was different. Because what Jesus did was this. is He taught towards application and not simply knowledge. You see, Jesus wanted his audience not just to know what to believe, but actually what to do with what they believed. You see, Jesus realized this, that knowing doesn't make a difference. It's actually what you do with what you know that makes a difference. Does that make sense? And so the gist of the Sermon on the Mount is simply this. If you had big faith in God, this is what you would do. If you had perfect faith in God, this is how you would act. And we're not going to read the whole sermon because it's like, it's like, I think, three chapters. But I want to encourage you to go back this week and read it. But let me give you some highlights, some things he says. He says this, if anyone forces you to go a mile, go with him two miles. What? That's different. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Whoa. Forgive other people when they sin against you. And in fact, this next one flies right in the face of what the world tells us every day. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven. For, get this, where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. Now, this next one, if I'm being honest with you, I struggle with. Do not worry. How many struggle with worry? Okay. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. And so what Jesus is saying here is that this is what it looks like to live if you have absolute faith that there is a God who knows your name and he will take care of you. That's what he's saying. It's interesting, the message for the most part is applicational. Here is what you do if you really, really believe there is a big God who knows you and cares for you. And so in this sermon, Jesus basically gives them a whole bunch of stuff to do. But get this, he's not giving them stuff to do to win God's favor. He's not saying, do this and you can earn your salvation. Because in Jesus' mind, he realizes that his audience is Jews. And they already have God's favor. Why? Because they are God's chosen people. And so what Jesus is simply saying here in this sermon is, if you want big faith, this is how you practically live it out. Okay? Now, in saying that, what I want to do for the rest of the morning is I want to focus on how Jesus ends this sermon. Because what he does, he kind of gives us a spiritual punch. And he wraps it all up, and it kind of hits us in the heart. Let's go what it says. Look at verse uh, 24 of chapter 7. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. This is what Jesus is saying. If you want there to be a difference in your life, if you want your faith in God to show up in practical ways in your life, and if you want to see God show up in your world, then you have to do these things. Jesus wanted his audience to understand this. It didn't matter how many times they heard Jesus speak. It didn't matter how many times they showed up when Jesus came to town. Because what Jesus is saying here is this, is attendance isn't the issue. And I think we have to be careful because I've been in church a long time, and we have to be careful that we don't rate our spirituality based on attending church. I've heard people say this. I come to church, I'm good with God. Let me tell you something. Attendance doesn't make a difference when it comes to your faith. What blows your faith up is this, is not hearing the truth or understanding the truth or get this, even believing the truth. What makes the difference is when we do something with the truth. Doing it makes a difference. So what I'm saying here is this, is if you want to have strong faith, big faith, then you have to come Sunday mornings. You have to say, okay, God, what are you saying to me? And you listen, you understand it, you believe it, but you don't stop there. You go home and you live it out. That 
is what Jesus is saying here because that is what makes the difference. We need to apply scripture to our lives. I want you to understand this. When we apply scripture to our lives, what we call that is this, is obedience. God tells us to do this and we obey him. And I want you to understand this. When our obedience intersects with God's faithfulness, what God does is this, is God honors our obedience. You know why? Because obedience is an act of faith. And so what we're saying to God is simply this. You know what? I read this, and some of this stuff doesn't make sense because the world's telling me to do this, and God, you're telling me to do this. And when I read this, some of this stuff scares me because if I do this, I'm going to be different. And I know you want us to be different, but i got to be honest with you, I don't like being different. And if I do some of this, it's going to make me uncomfortable. It's going to stretch me. It might hurt. I may have to serve and give up stuff. I don't really want to do that. But we get to a point and say, you know what? Even though this doesn't make sense all the time, even though this scares me, even though this is going to stretch me and make me feel uncomfortable, I am going to do it simply because you tell me to. And that's it. That's good enough for me. I don't know how it's going to work out. You're telling me to step out. I don't see the bridge. I don't see anything. But i got to believe that if I step out or if I fall, God, you're going to be there 100% of the time. Now, here's the cool thing. Is when we do that, our faith begins to grow. Because here's the thing I want you to understand. Is when we do it, is an expression of our trust in God. And when we physically step out and trust and we see God is there, what happens is our faith begins to just explode. Now, let's continue on. Verse 25 says this. The rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation where? On the the rock. So here's the question I want to ask you is why didn't this house fall? It wasn't because of the wise man's knowledge. You see, he could have had a knowledge of how to build a foundation on the rock, but the knowledge alone wouldn't have made a difference. What made a difference is when he actually put it into practice, when he actually did it. When he said, okay, here's my house, here's the rock, I'm going to build my house on this rock. Now understand this, it took time, it took energy, it was painful at times, it took resources. But what we read is this is when the storm hit, because the storms will hit. When the storm hit, what happened to his house? It stood still. Now, if Jesus had finished there, we'd be like, oh, that's a great message, Jesus, awesome. But he doesn't. He says, okay, this is what you do if you put it into practice. But let me tell you what happens on the other side. And I think this is where Isaiah kind of went, okay. This is where Jesus is going to tell us the truth, going to hit us between the eyes. And I'm going to warn you, he does. Listen to what he says. But everyone, in verse 26, everyone who hears, and I would say even believes these words of mine, and does not put them to practice, is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. Now, this is the painful part. 
Because what Jesus is saying here is that you can have 100% attendance and be a fool. That's what he's saying. He's saying you can have 100% attendance and start to build a house, a relational home, a, a financial home, a dating home, a moral home. And you can go and make all these decisions and say, you know what, I'm not going to listen to God, I, even though I know it, even though I've heard it, I'm going to do my own thing. And what happens is this, is you will have an absolute disaster. And then you'll go home and you'll get on your knees and you'll say, God, how could you allow this to happen to me? I come to church every week. I've never missed church. And you know what God will say to you? I know that, but attendance is not the issue. It is what you do with what you've heard, because like I said, obedience makes the difference. Attendance doesn't make the difference. Knowledge doesn't make a difference. It's not about knowing stuff or more stuff. It's about doing stuff. It is when we apply the truth that we're taught that makes our foundation strong. Do you get that? Listen to what it says here, okay? Because we talked about what happens when the storms came with the wise man. Listen to what happens to the foolish man. Verse uh, 27, it says this. Then are the rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it says it fell with a great crash. Everything that person had worked for was gone. Because they didn't put into practice what they knew. Now, so often we stop the story here because the story's done. But there's a few more verses I want to read to you because I think there's something really powerful here as well. Verses 28 and 29 says this. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught as one who had authority. And I love this. And not as their teachers of the law. You see, the teachers of the law taught towards knowledge. Here are some things you can do. It's a download of information. And I'll be honest with you, I like those kind of sermons. Just give me more information, make me more spiritually fat, and I'll be great. Right? But what Jesus did is this. He goes, no, I'm not going to do that. Here's something you need to believe, but before I stop, here's how you need to live it out. Because for Jesus, it wasn't about knowing or attending it was about doing. Now, let me make this applicable to us. Because we read this passage, and from what I understand in this passage, we have now come to a fork in the road. This morning, each and every one of you, including myself, has a choice to make. There's only two options. Either we take the things we learn Sunday morning or in our devotions or as we listen to the radio or whatever it may be, and we take it and we put it into practice like the wise man, or we listen to it, we even believe it, we don't put it into practice, and we're like the foolish man. Understand me, there's no staying right here. I think a lot of Christians think, I'll be good right here. No, Jesus doesn't say there's no middle ground. There's either this way or there's this way. And when as I read this scripture, what I get as I read it is this, is that God really wants, first of all, us to listen to his truth. 
And to listen to his truth means this. I'm just gonna, it's more than just coming Sunday morning and hearing a pastor preach. Listening to God means a daily thing. I'll be honest with you. If all I got was Sunday morning, I would be in trouble. I really would. I'd be in a mess. And so God says, listen, I want you to make time for me. You say this is the most important relationship you have. Put your money where your mouth is. Make time for me. But when you make time for me, understand this, that I'm going to tell you things because I am your heavenly father. I'm not some God up there who's going to strike you down who doesn't know you. I am a God who knows your name and who loves you. So understand, everything I say to you comes out of love. I'm going to tell you the truth, but it's in love. So God says, I want you to listen to that. But I want you to do more than just that. I want you to actually live it out. Because knowledge on its own doesn't get us anywhere. Let me give you an example. Let's say I wanted to get into fitness. I wanted to work up, become really muscular, all that kind of stuff. And so what I did is this. I went on Amazon, and I ordered books, and I shipped them to me. And the books were all about fitness and about eating right and about all that kind of stuff. And so I read all these books and had all this knowledge. And then I went out and got a really cool Nike outfit. Do you call them outfits? I don't have one, so I don't even know. All right, so I get this really cool windbreaker with Nike all over it. I get these really cool shoes with cool soles and all that kind of stuff, and I get the sweatband because I think that's coming back. I tell my kids that. As I work out, they go, Dad, you're so lame. I'm like, it's coming back, and I'm going to be cool. All right, so I say, okay, I got all this stuff, and here's the thing. So I've read all this stuff. I've got the outfit. I'm going to get a membership. I'm going to pay for a membership so I can say I'm a member of whatever club it is. Uh, mine is Anytime Fitness. Okay, I'll do that. All right, so I have the, the knowledge because I have the books. I have the outfit, and I look good in the outfit, and I have the membership. But if I don't actually go and work out or actually apply the stuff I've learned as I read, I'm not going to become fit. Because the knowledge and the stuff I have is useless unless I put it into practice. Because remember what we said. Obedience, when it intersects with God's faithfulness, God honors our obedience. Why? Because our obedience is an act of faith. In fact, I would go as far as saying this, that obedience is an expression of our confidence and trust in God. And so when we obey God, what we're saying is this, God, I have confidence in you, and I trust you. But the opposite is also true. If we don't obey God, we're saying, I don't trust you. I don't have confidence. I come to church every week, but the stuff that I hear goes in one ear, not the other, because I don't really trust you enough to fall back and to give you control. This is the cool part. And I'm just beginning to experience this in some really cool ways. What I've realized over many years is that when you begin to live this out, when you begin to put it into practice, the great thing is you begin to experience God. Because i got to believe this. When you step out in faith, God's like, I'm going to reward you, and I'm going to show my presence. And when he shows his presence in your life, what happens is this, is your faith becomes real. And even better, he becomes real. So when you're at work or at school or at university, whatever it is, and someone says to you, prove to me God exists, like, I can't. Well, how do you know? Because I've experienced him. 
He's shown up in my lives in ways that I can't just write it off as coincidence. I have experienced God. And for me, he's real. Now, I know some of you are going to say, okay, Dave, why? There's always someone that says why. My kids say why all the time to me. I ask them to do something, they go, why? So I'm going to give you the why. Why is it important that I practice why I preach? Why is it important that my faith explodes and becomes big? Why is it important that I experience God? And here's the reason. Listen to me. Because the storms of life will come. And understand this. And they will beat against your faith. And what will determine if your faith stands or falls is the foundation it's on. And when you, put in the th- when you put the things you've learned into practice, what happens is this. It actually strengthens your foundation. Remember what happened to the one who put into practice what he or she learned? We read this. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds beat and uh, blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it, it had its foundation on the rock. Now, Let's not forget about the other side of the coin. The one who hears these words and even believes them, but doesn't put them into practice. This is what happens. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. You see, there's some similarities here in these two stories. Number one is this, that they both had the same knowledge. God wasn't giving one person special knowledge the other. They both had the same knowledge, right? And they both faced the same kinds of storms. They weren't exactly the same, I know that, but in this case, it was exactly the same. But there was a big difference because one did something with the knowledge they had, the other one didn't. And because of obedience, the one experienced God in a significant way, and the other one, not so much. But when the storm hit, the outcome was totally different. Because after the storm, one stood and the other was destroyed. Now, I know all of us would agree that storms hit our lives to varying degrees. What you might face as a Christian, it's going to be totally different, but the thing is, the key and the common thing is whether or not we are going to be able to withstand them. You know, I'll never forget the call. Happened about three years ago. Two of my students who were in Barrie, one of the ministers that was in Willow Creek Baptist Church, were in a car accident. And uh, these two kids were like stellar students, like they were amazing. And when I left, they started to date. And it was like, I was so excited because I knew them really well. And I was like, they're on my leadership team. And I'm like, man, this is going to be a dynamic couple. God is going to use them in an incredible way. And I could not wait to see what God was going to do. And the cool thing was this, they started dating and I heard they were talking about marriage. And I was like, ah, as a youth pastor, you get excited about this because you're like, man, this is going to be great. They went off to, to university to get their degrees and they were loved in their universities. They stood out like people knew they were Christians. Like they weren't the ones that would go on Sunday mornings and pretend there was something different during the week. They were like, they were like stellar. But unfortunately, they were up at uh, his parents' cottage for a weekend in the winter and uh, they were coming home. They're, coming to, they're going back to university, and uh, the young guy was driving, and um, the car went out of control. And it went into the other lane, and an oncoming semi just plowed into the car. The young boy was sent to the hospital. It was critical. They didn't know if he was going to live. 
But um, the young girl was killed instantly. And uh, she was a 21-year-old girl who had a bright future. In fact, I've been in youth mission for 20, 27 years. Oh, I'm old. But 27 years, and here's the thing, is, is she was one of those students where, as a youth pastor, I'm like, this is why I do youth ministry. This is why I do it. Because of students like her, students who weren't fake in their faith, but were real, but really loved God and weren't afraid about talking about it. Now, this is one of those, the most tragic things that could ever happen to a parent, I think, losing a child at such a young age. And so what I did is I, I dropped everything here at Temple. I said, I'm just going. I, I got to go. And I remember going to the visitation. And, you know, because she was so close to me, like she was on my leadership team, I, I just felt numb inside. But what really struck me was this, was how the parents responded. Now, they were hurting. And they definitely were in pain. What blew me away here is this. In the midst of this storm, a storm I wouldn't wish on anybody. They didn't run away from God. They ran to God. In the midst of the confusion, they ran to God. And I remember standing in the the line waiting to talk to them. And what they said to me, I will never, ever forget. They said, Dave, we don't understand why this has happened. We don't understand why God chose to take Amanda home. But this is what we do know. We have experienced God. God is real to us. Not right now, because we're really confused. But God has shown himself in our lives. And when this isn't making sense, we know that he's there. And yes, we're hurting, but we are choosing in the midst of our pain to trust him through it. And I'll tell you something, that is a hard thing to say unless, like this family, they were known as a family who put into practice the things they were taught. That's what I remember them as. And as a result, what happens when they put things in, when they put the, what they knew into practice, they experienced God and their faith grew and, and God was real. So when this horrible storm hit, it didn't shake their faith because they had big faith. And so what I want you to get this morning is this, is big faith causes you to run to God instead of running away from God. And the reason you run to God is because you have experienced him and he is real in your life this wasn't in my notes but can I share this with you I've been a pastor for a while I've been in many churches and the thing that that breaks my heart a lot is this is if I was to do a survey this morning and I'm not going to do it so don't put your hand up but if I asked you how many of you have experienced God I think we would be shocked how little that is. I think there's a lot of us in the church today that have not experienced God. And the reason I know it is because I ask my youth all the time, hey guys, share with me something. How have you experienced God lately? And I'm not being mean about our youth, but they look at me like they're deer in headlights. You can do that? Yeah. Because here's the thing, is God wants us to experience him. You're like, how do you know that, Dave? Because God is relational God. 
God made us in his image. You know why he made us in his image? It's because he wanted us to have a relationship with him. That's why in Genesis we see he shows up in the garden every day just to simply be with man and woman because he loved being with them. He didn't mess up that relationship. We did. But even when we messed it up, he's like, no, I want this relationship back, so I'm going to send my son to die for you so we can restore that relationship. So you can't sit there and go, I don't know if God wants me to experience him. If you are a believer, if you profess Jesus Christ as Savior, he wants you to experience him. But you cannot experience him unless you're willing to step out and say, okay, this doesn't make sense, but God's here. Or you fall back because you're like, God, you told me to do this. I don't know what's going to happen. And when he catches you, everything becomes real for you. It's not tough to experience God, but it takes faith. It's not tough, but it's very uncomfortable. Right? Now, you guys all know this, that I'm a visual learner. And if you ever heard me preach before, I always bring what? I bring objects, right? So I got an object here today that I want to bring. I heard this quote, and... Uh, I want an object to show you what I was talking about. Let's hope it's still here. Yep, it is. Okay. I brought a can of paint. Now, I'm not going to paint anything, don't worry. My, my wife doesn't let me paint because I'm really a messy painter, apparently. But anyways, here's the thing. I want you to look at this can of paint because I want you to have a visual when I read this quote that I heard that I thought was amazing. Listen to this. Unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. It doesn't do any good because the value of paint is in the application. I can't take credit for that. That's someone else's, but I thought it was really good. Unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. It doesn't do any good because the value is in the application. Now, let me apply this to us. I think a lot of us here this morning have a lot of cans of unapplied truth. Things we've heard. Things we understand. Things that we believe. But the problem is, is we've never done anything with it. They're there. They're labeled. We know it's in there. We just never cracked them open. Let me ask you a question. If that is you this morning, now, don't get offended by this. I didn't say this. Jesus said this. What does Jesus call you? He calls you a fool. I don't think he's saying, oh, you fool, because he doesn't love you. He's saying, oh, you're being foolish. And the reason he says that is because he knows in these cans of truth is truth that if you take out and you apply it to your life, it is going to change your life. It's going to make things better. He's like, why would you want to do this? I'll tell you why we don't want to do it. It's because, let's face it, the application is messy. Because some of the things that Jesus tells us to do or God tells us to do is uncomfortable. It stretches me. I have to give up. I have to sacrifice. I'm not sure that I want to do that. But God's like, listen, if you only took these truths and applied them, I could do amazing things in your life. Let me tell you something. As you begin to apply these truths, the more you do it, the easier it becomes because you get excited. You're like, okay, so if I did this and God showed up here, what would he do if I did this? And guys, we read books about it all the time. My wife is reading a book, Corey Temboon, and we read that and go, whoa, that was amazing. Look how God showed up. 
Let me tell you something. Corey Tamboon is no different than us. That story needs to motivate you to go, I can be like that. I can have that kind of faith. Because here's the thing, is God wants us to have big faith. But we've got to put into practice what we've learned. Now, I want to get a little plug here for, uh, for our family ministries. If your kids are in our youth ministry or our children's ministry, we do this all the time. We do not stop and go, okay, here's some truths. Take it home. Hope you enjoy it. Don't do anything with it. Just put it on a shelf and go, no, no, no. This is what you need to do with it. Okay? Now, Catherine will kill me if she knows I do this, but I'm your supervisor, and I just want to pump her up a bit. Okay? Because I want you to know something. I've been in ministry a long time. I've worked with a lot of children's directors, and I believe, without a shadow of a doubt, I would even say this. We have the best children's director here. Do you agree with me? Okay? All right. And so I want you to encourage her because, you know what, working with kids, I take my hat off to her. I'll take junior high, I'll take senior high, but yeah, sometimes kids, anyway, anyways, she does a great job. But I'm just glad my kids have grown up. No, uh, here's the thing, is I went down to see how Catherine was doing this morning. She goes, Dave, 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 I got to show you something. I am so excited, I'm so excited. And she showed me this, and I thought, I got to go and redo my sermon because I got to put this in here because you got to know what she is doing down there with your kids. Today, they're talking about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. And so she goes, last night I had this brilliant idea on the weekend. Okay? Now, as pastors, we should, we, we should really be off Saturday. But when Catherine's like, no, no, I'm going to go and do this. So what she did is this. She realized, okay, now if I tell these kids to go home and wash their parents' feet, that's going to be weird. Okay, that's going to be weird. So we're talking about servanthood. So what could they do? to serve in their families. And she goes, I gotta get a visual and it can't be too expensive, what am I gonna do? So Catherine took me over this table and she unveiled this thing. She's like, da-da, you know? And what she had was this, is she had like 50 toilet brushes. Brilliant. A toilet brush with a little note on it that says to the kids, okay, you wanna go home and serve. And one way you can serve is go clean a toilet. I hate cleaning the toilet. So if my kids want to do it, where are my kids? They're not even in here. Stink. All right. <laughs> but how cool is that? And so this little kid is going to come up. So get ready, parents. It may not be a great job, but they'll try the best, right? So how cool is this? They're going to take this, and they're going to go, okay, this is what Miss Catherine said. So I'm going to clean this toilet. So this is gross. This is not nice at all. But you know what? When Jesus cleaned the disciples' feet, that was probably gross too. So I get it. Serving isn't always comfortable. But we can experience God. So I'm just saying to you as parents, if your kids are going home and living out what they've learned, I think as parents we need to do it too. Because understand this. Whether you're a parent, whether you're a grandparent, whether you're a person that goes into a church, it doesn't even matter who you are because kids are watching you. Okay? We are examples to them. And if we're going to ask our kids to live out their faith, and not just to hear it and do it, but they're going to actually live it out, we've got to do it too. So parents, get ready. You're going to get a brand new toilet brush. I don't think it's really good quality, but it'll last for a few weeks and you'll enjoy it. All right. So here's the thing. Let me land this and then I'll be done. So uh, faith is crucial in the life of a believer. We said that. And we said this, that God wants us to have not just small faith, but big faith, right? Faith is small, a mustard seed can move a mountain. God wants us to have more than that. 
And our faith explodes when we actually put into practice what God teaches us. But here's the thing I want you to get. It is not enough to hear it, not enough to know it, or not even, not even enough to believe it. We have to put it into practice. Because when we do that, what we're doing, like we said, is we respond in obedience. And then we experience God's faithfulness. When we experience God's faithfulness, we experience God, and God becomes real to us. And at that moment, our faith grows. And it's important that your faith grows now. Because the storms of life will hit. And one thing I've noticed is this, you can't grow your faith in the midst of a storm because everything is chaotic. And the sad thing is this, is I think I've seen a lot of people, a lot of Christians go through storms and like this family, they run to God, but I've seen a lot of families who run away from God. How could God do this to me? This is not fair. I thought God loved me. Do you know why they're asking those questions? It's because their faith isn't that big. And so now is the time to do that. So in the midst of the storms, we will run to God instead of from God. But it will be difficult. So this week, here's my challenge. Crack open some of those cans. Some of the stuff that you've heard since you were a kid, maybe. You understand and you believe, but you never, ever really applied. Now, It'll be tough. It will be uncomfortable. It'll be like cleaning a toilet. Not fun sometimes. But the payoff is huge because when you begin to do that, what happens is this, is you begin to experience God. And when you experience God, God becomes real. And then you sit back and you watch what God will do in your life. And God will do amazing things. Because we serve an amazing God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thanks so much for who you are. Thanks for the fact that you love us. And thanks for the fact that you called us uh, to love you. And Lord, you have laid it out very clear for us what we're to do. And it's not hard, you know, but it's difficult. It's uncomfortable. It means falling back and not knowing what's going to happen. From what we read in Scripture, Lord, the, if we're willing to step out, if we're willing to fall back, then you will be there. You will catch us 100% of the time. And when we do that, will experience you, and our faith will grow. Lord, I thank you personally for allowing me to be a pastor at this church. Lord, I love my church family. And Lord, I pray that each one of us, including myself, would crack open some of these cans of unapplied truth and begin to apply it. And Lord, as we are obedient and as you're obedient, our obedience intersects with your faithfulness, Lord, you will bless us because our obedience is an act of faith. And Lord, I pray that we would step out and we put our money where our mouth is. We talk about faith this week, Lord. Give us the courage and the strength to live it out. And we pray, amen.